Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming to you from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routens, and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. And it's another episode, and here we are at the Eggplant Picture and Sound Studios in downtown Toronto. Dan Gladman... Andy Routens, Javon Shepard, and it's been uh, quite an NBA playoffs. I think there's some chatter out there about it even being possibly one of the best ever, which is interesting because there's no home court advantage. I, I think I think Shep, you might have tweeted about that. That uh, really home court isn't a thing. So being down two zero, being down three one, you don't have the psychology of that you an NBA team might normally have, mm-hmm. which means, you know, okay, well, at least we're going back to our home court. Or when you're down 3-1, you can think to yourself, well, but yeah, we have three straight home games, right? You always sort of have a relief when you're going home or you, you have home court advantage because the fans are, are you know, often that the sixth man on the court. Um, so that, you know, that dismisses that now that we're at a neutral ground. And nobody really has. Actually, I, I did read something that the NBA had tried to simulate um, home court advantage in the bubble, but in actuality, it's worked in reverse. The <laughs> the um, the away team has actually won more games. But yeah, like when you don't have a home court advantage, you're getting the purest of basketball. And I, I think I alluded to that a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that these guys, all the distractions are gone, all the travel is gone, all you know that fatigue. Everybody's on a neutral ground, so you know even as far as shooting and, and arenas and depth perception, that's all taken away now. So uh, I think it's good you're getting the purest form of basketball and the, and the best competition. So, I, And we're seeing it now. Some of the teams that are in the finals, we would have never guessed or assumed that these teams would be there. So, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's interesting to me, even the, the concept of home court, home field advantage, because a lot of it is what you alluded to. It's It's the travel the being away at home. You know, one guy sleeps in a hotel maybe he's never been to before while the other guy is at home with his family. And I was talking with uh, my buddy Galay over the the weekend about uh, in the NFL. And, you know, my team's, for whatever reason, is the San Francisco 49ers. And they lost, quote, at home to the Arizona Cardinals. But to him, it wasn't a home game. But to me, it was. It didn't matter what the noises were, that the crowd was there, or even that the officials might be uh, interrupted. It was, 
you know, one team had to fly in. They had to stay at a hotel. They weren't necessarily sure of where they were going. And the other team, you know, slept in their own bed. With their their family was there. You know, you, you guys played on neutral courts in, in your NCAA days, especially in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Maybe, Andy, you can put into words what, what it is like. You know, Shep just called it a more pure experience. But what is it like to have that neutral court experience when you are used to home in a way? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, to stir the pot a little bit, I would almost say that, you know, I, as a player, I played better away. Uh, on away yeah, game. for sure. You and Kyle Lowry. <laughs> you know, uh, cut from the same cloth, clearly. Uh, no, I just think that you, you kind of alleviate the pressure of playing at home. You know, if, when, you play, when you play at home, you have expectations from the fans. And I think no team missed that more than the Raptors. Like, they play really well at home. They have one of the best yeah. court advantages in all the league. Some of the best fans in the NBA. Sold out arenas every night. Um you know, but in playing on neutral courts, I think it's how well your tra- your fans travel. You know, I know that at Syracuse, mm-hmm. we traveled really well. We played games in Buffalo, Carolina, you know, Georgetown, wherever. Uh, we traveled really well. You have that comfortability when you when you have those people there to support you. Um, but at the neutral court, it takes away the, the away team's fans too, right? So you're kind of on an even ground. Um, and I think that's, Shep, what you said. You know, you, you play your best basketball that way. You just, you just get out there, and it's all about the game. It's not about you know, home team, away team. It's about pure basketball, and that's what you're seeing in the bubble right now. And then I also think we're, we're forgetting a lot of these guys, when they got into, you know, if guys came into Toronto, they're going out to party, you know, oh, yeah. nightlife Toronto and so forth. Yeah, so Toronto factor. You get to L.A., you know, there's, there's some late nights, yeah. restaurants and so forth. So that there's, there's no more of that, right? So I think we'll circle back to this when we talk about PG at some point. <laughs> but I think it really ultimately affects the psyche of a lot of guys in the bubble right now. Mm-hmm. You know, having the opportunity to go out, you know, to to have your routine, maybe go eat one night, maybe you meet up with some friends in the city that you're, you know, you're just pulling up to. Um, there's a lot of factors I think that are taken away in the bubble, and right. everybody's on even ground. Right. Yeah. And even just off off that can be positive or negative, right? Because right? then there's also the the point of, um, and Masai had had mentioned this as well psychologically mm-hmm. and mentally the toll it takes some guys haven't had seen or been around their families, their families for a, yeah. Oh, yeah. a big time a yeah. long time and that you know for some of those guys their family anchors them mm-hmm. right so we, we always take away the the human aspect to that and mm-hmm. how much you know these other variables couldn't account for mm-hmm. how these guys perform on the court and for some it may be family for some right. it may be meals and, and so forth they, they're, we're still saying yeah. we as if we're I'm a player still right. but you're still you know, there's a, there's a human, there's a there's a softer side yeah. to a lot of these guys as well. Yeah, I think I think a lot of guys not having their circles around like deeply affected them. Mm. Um, I was gonna say it's funny for us being foreign players in Europe. Oh yeah, I think once you have the families come out there because it's so few and far between, you know, months in between, you get used to a certain pattern and used to uh, you know having your your own space. Mm-hmm. And then when you have them come out, you have to host. You know, you I have to get back from practice. Work. Work. Oh, I hate yeah, it. The work. first couple of days was cool. Yes, you're excited to see everybody. You're excited to see everybody, yeah. but then. Okay, I want to go here. I want to go there. Well, yeah. get up and get on the train and go. Exactly. Right? But get you got to be the host. You got to be yeah. the guy because you know the city. And then, and then you have to worry about, you know, your game day the next day, what you're going to eat, you know, getting into your routine. Don't take into account is that playing professional sports, no, it's not a nine to five, mm-hmm. but it still takes a lot out of you. So you need your rest. People don't. I would, I, I would argue to say it's almost a full time job. Yeah. They don't, and they don't respect that. You have to worry that. about what you consume. You know, exactly. Uh, yes. uh, how much sleep you're getting, you know, to perform at your best. Those who take it really seriously, I think it's a full time job. And that was the toughest for me. My my guests would never understand. No, mm-hmm. I, 
yes, I only work for two hours today in, right. in your mind, but I need a nap. I yeah, need oh a yeah. nap in between practices. That's it, real. The five hours in between is not for us yeah. to go two hours oh, to yeah. Milan to come back. For sure. For me to jump in. No. Because most people don't know in Europe you practice twice a day yeah. as opposed to the league. You know, you get one in. Uh, but you're usually like 10 and ten and what? 10 and 6? Yeah. And that's it's a grind, man. Yeah, it's yeah, a grind. Yeah. And we're seeing the exact opposite that, of that right now in the bubble. It's where these guys are used to having their families around, and now they're not. So. Well, I, I think you guys have alluded to something as we get into the, our talk of the, uh, the Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. between Denver and the Lakers. And I think one thing that maybe didn't get talked about enough, and maybe people just don't want to talk about the psychology of it, um, but you saw two teams in that Denver Clippers series. I think one team really struggled in the bubble. And I think the other team, it was to their benefit. And, uh, you know, you've talked about this uh, over the weeks that we've been doing the show, Shep. Jamal Murray does not really have a care in the world other than basketball. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the bubble, where the only thing in his life is competing and playing ball, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we've seen the best basketball we've ever seen out of Jamal Murray. I don't know Jokic's personal situation that much, but I think that he also benefited from, look, it's just basketball. He seems like a pretty introverted dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine that uh, Jokic needs to go out every night. Bottle Denver. service before in a while. I don't see it. I don't if, see if it. If he's pounding the vodka, yeah. he's just doing it at home or, yeah. or at a friend's or what, you know, well, whatever. he's a Serb, so he, yeah. he's probably drinking something. Yeah, he he's drinking something. <laughs> no doubt about that. He's having a beverage yeah, after yeah. the game. Oh, yeah. But uh, I do think that uh, Denver, the, the bubble was an advantage for Denver. I think it was a disadvantage for the Clippers. I think certainly we know Paul George struggled with it. Uh, we know that... I think Kawhi Leonard struggled with it a little bit as well. You know, let, let's let's start by talking about the Nuggets, and I think we'll get to the collapse that is the Clippers. But we are into the Western Conference Finals. Uh, L.A. Lakers, Denver Nuggets. The Nugs have come back from 3-1 twice, which is just an astonishing achievement in itself. And here they are in the Western Conference Finals. And I remember the last time the Nuggets were there, I think it was 2009, and they had Carmelo Anthony. And they were up against the Kobe and Pau Gasol Lakers. So here they are again against the Lakers in the West Finals. Andy, can they do this again? I'm not sure. You know, as tough and as resilient as they are, um, you know, they played two, three, one series, right? So you gotta you gotta understand the type of minutes these guys are logging. Um, You know, when you play on the contrary, though, when you play as underdogs, you really have nothing to lose. You know, you have no expectations and I think that's what they've been kind of riding the past uh, couple series um, they're just free to go out there and play and that's kind of been the culture that's been set in the locker room by Mikey Moe is to just go out there and play free play with your teammates and they play you know ego free basketball in my opinion and that's much different than what the Clippers are as a whole I feel like the whole Clippers identity is just you know riding on on the egos of their stars and you know when that breaks down especially when you get into the bubble and you can't be the guy that you are off the floor mm-hmm. you know it's all like you said level playing field so is Kawhi really ego is I don't think really he's ego I don't think he's ego but I mean, you saw glimpses of it you saw glimpses of it you saw that that one time he gave up the rock and he said I, I didn't pass you the ball for that shit <laughs> <laughs> you can't, he, that was the one time you saw Kawhi you know turn human but even uh, that, I think he that, gave it up to Reggie Jackson and he made kind of an errant play is, is that ego or is that I don't know if it's ego nature. yeah it could be but you gotta remember I think they have a lot of characters I'll say that I don't know if it's, it's yeah, egos but they do have a lot of characters yeah. um 
Pat Pat Bev being one of them mm. and probably one of their most the vocal, most outspoken, yeah, easily. vocal guys. So I think, and he's not necessarily your best player, or he's not necessarily a a leader, yeah. but he's your most vocal. So I think there's a, a little discrepancy there in in terms of order and hierarchy and, and, and roles. Which but for them, you're seeing guys who need to live up to the expectations of what they say. Mm-hmm. You know, the the trash that they talk. Pat Bev talking trash to Dame Lillard, you know, also PG. You know, when you're in that bubble, you have to you have to live up to those expectations. You have to make those plays, and, you, and they did And you know what? It leads me to this point is that those guys are highly touted guys. So, mm-hmm. again, now we're, we're in this bubble where it's, it's just throw the basketball up, let's play. You have – I'm on display. I'm on a stage where, you know, all the other guys are compete against and I and I, my name is stacked up against or sitting here watching us. Mm-hmm. Or in the hotel, we pass each other in the, in the hallways of the hotel, the elevators. And, you know, in the Clippers' case, they have the big-name guys. In Denver's case, you have – one guy that's a lottery in Murray, um, I th- believe Trent was a mid to late first round guy, and the rest of the guys were se- the rest of the star- guys, sorry, the rest of the starting five is second round and undrafted, mm-hmm. right? So those guys have a, a have a chip on their shoulder, and they're, they're just there to prove and play basketball. They don't have the egos, they don't right. have the expectations because none of them are the big name guys. Right. And again, even though Murray's a, a lottery pick, he's he's a Canadian, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. he doesn't get the he doesn't garner the same respect. That a, a Kawhi would, or a, or a Paul George, or even a Pat Bev, that mm-hmm. who you know would essentially have a bigger name than him. Um, so I, I think for them, it's you know just basketball, just competing. And then Jokic, he's he's coming from a different culture of basketball where it's just hard nose and let's just ball so wall, get the job done. Um, so yeah, those guys are I think are egoless, and I think they can they can get it done. If this game, if this goes to a seven game series, they've proven to. Um, exceed expectations and, and perform. So can, yeah, can I trust I may- in them. Can I maybe offer an opinion that you can, you <laughs> you can. We'll, we'll allow it. I appreciate it. Yeah. It is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what we're here for. Yeah. That's right. Can, can I can I suggest that maybe as a combination, Murray and Jokic are better than Leonard and George? Oh, is whoa. is that? I, I mean, I, you're not Ka- wrong in saying Kawhi that is the more decorated player, and Look he has certainly it. earned. What what he's earned. He has two NBA Finals MVPs. Look, if he had done that with a third team, would have been quite honestly ridiculous. There's a reason it's never happened before. But I think what what we saw in that series from Jokic and Murray is that the two of them are up there with pretty much anybody in the league, mm-hmm. which kind of leads into the series against the Lakers because now it's LeBron and Davis a little bit, well, clearly higher up than mm-hmm. uh, than George and Kawhi because I just don't think Paul George is that is that caliber of player. So, but. look, interesting you said that. LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Nikola Jokic are three of seven players who have averaged 25 and 10 throughout this playoff series. So that speaks volumes about what Jokic is bringing to the table. Yeah. And, and it's real trouble for them that they got two guys on the Lakers that are doing that. So it's going to be interesting, but I think that you know having having Nikola Jokic on the team doing that, but also it's his intangibles. What else he brings to the team? His his court vision, his his savvy, his you know under underrated you know quickness, yeah. if you will. And of all these powerhouses in these in these um, duos, I think you know you're not you're not Danny G. You're not far off in what you're saying because I, these two. Jokic and Murray actually work in tandem together mm-hmm. as being from being a you know a point guard and a uh, four five right. five four you know there's a lot of we've seen it they picked pick up they pick apart they picked apart um the clipper the clippers with 
some pick and roll and and Jokic getting in the middle of the court and you know picking the shit apart with passes. So, um, whereas the other guys or the other teams that we're looking at don't necessarily have that. You have a a perimeter or two perimeters in Clippers instance, and you know Braun a perimeter Mm -hmm. and a big that aren't necessarily working in tandem together, but they're two big forces uh, respectively. So I, I think you know the fact that those two are working together. They can be a, a much bigger force than any of the other duos. Interesting, and I think that uh, we all certainly me thought that the West Finals was going to be L.A. L.A. And in fact, I said I was in Las Vegas July 2019 at Summer League when Kawhi's announcement came out, and I was working with Noah Eagle, who's the play-by-play radio voice of the Clippers, and I said. You know, have a have an enjoyable May. You're going to have an LA LA West Finals. <laughs> Why weren't the Nuggets considered a favorite in the West? We, I mean, maybe it was Jamal Murray was was being underrated. Did people forget that they had Paul Millsap, a veteran who could, you know, fill in the gaps in certain moments? Why wasn't why is Denver a Paul's surprise huge. right now when they should have been a favorite in the West? I think it's what I, what I mentioned earlier, alluded to earlier, is that they, they only have two first-rounders in their starting five. The rest of those guys are second round and, and um, undrafted, right? But we uh, should be beyond that at this point, right? They, I mean, Jokic is you an would, all-star. You would, you would think so, but at the same time, you still don't have any of their guys that are in the top ten in points, assists, or rebounds. Right, those are the guys that we usually pay attention to in terms of really being impact guys. But you know, I think the the idea of that is is changing now, and we're just getting back to good basketball and these these super what do they call them the super teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting to get away with that. You're seeing that with Miami, and you're seeing that now with Denver. Um, just getting a core group of guys that have chemistry that work well together and finding some some synergy. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's what it really boils down to. None of these guys have been highly touted. None of these guys are you know big name superstar or superstars we say. And and again, they're in the West. When you look at the West mm-hmm. teams, all those teams have oh, yeah. superstars. Yeah, right. There's none here. And again, young team. None of them are drafted. Were drafted higher. That is interesting. I mean, the, the East and the West have always had their their differences. I think it, the West it has is, been drastically stronger yeah. for some time yeah. now, and, some and for time. for quite a while, yeah. yeah. But I think you, you also the Toronto Raptors last year showed you you don't have to be that uh, that kind of super team. So okay, so Andy, can the Nugs can the Nugs pull it off? Can they beat the Lakers in this series, or or are they overmatched with LeBron? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them. It's going to come down. So there's some interesting stats they have going here. The Lakers scored outscored their opponents by 13 points. Uh, uh, points per game uh, uh, early in the game in the first quarter. Uh, pardon me. Sorry. I'm fucking that up. Sorry. The Lakers The Lakers are the best first quarter team in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they're outscoring their opponents by 18 points per game per 100 possessions. And Denver's being outscored by 8.3 points per 100 possessions in the first three quarters. But they're a fourth quarter team. Right. Yeah. So right. it's going to be really interesting to see. They play their best basketball when their back's up against the wall. Mm. Now, if they get out to a hot start every game, I, I don't know how easy it's going to be to get back in the game with your LeBrons, your Aunt Davises, you know, especially if guys like your, your role player guys, Caruso, Caldwell Pope are hitting shots and getting out in transition and running. They're one of the best transition teams in the league uh, in the league in the playoffs as well. So it's going to be tough. Um, uh, so question for you. Yes. Can the, can the Lakers – defend them though because they just came off of picking apart 
you know, on a switch, you get Paul yeah. George, you get Kawhi, you get Pat Bev. So the Lakers are leading in deflections per game and blocks per game as well. So you're a believer. I'm so a believer. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I think I think they're I think they are a substantially better defensive team than Denver is. Okay. And and the paint is going to be a huge, a huge uh, piece to that. So puzzle. would you say would you say the Lakers are a better defensive team than the Clippers? Mm. I don't know. They shouldn't. Be. I, they should they like on paper. Yeah. yeah. Get on the personnel. But. You know, I I didn't think the Clippers were very good defensively. Yeah, they didn't look you know, great. They, they didn't know what to do. They certainly didn't know what to do with Jokic, and they did not know how to contain Jamal Murray. Certainly, in, in the last couple of games, um, the Lakers did show some weakness in Game One of both of their series. You know, you mentioned that they're a good first quarter team, and the stats bear that out. Mm. But they seem to be a slow starter in a series, and you know, we always have the rust versus rest argument yeah and but the Lakers even with days off they tend to lose the first game of a series um are there did you see anything in the first game against Portland the first game against Houston and those are inferior teams to Denver I don't think there's any question about it can Denver exploit something in the Lakers for a a sustained period of time and maybe force a game six or a game seven which I think that might be to their advantage at this point. I think the fact that there's no expectations for Denver works in their favor. And because of that, guys can just go out, play hard, and enjoy playing play basketball. Yeah. Like they're, It's a much different game when you're, you're able to just have fun. Where And then on the contrary, you're in a situation where you're Bron, LeBron and AD, and you have to perform and you have to yeah. you're supposed oh, anything to less than a, anything less than a ring for lebron this year is a failure yeah, but a lebron's failure. going to perf- he he's he LeBron. does well under those conditions yeah. i mean it's not gonna hold lebron back he's done he's he does well under those under those situations but he's also he's also failed under those situations as well right so um it's I not think so much him you have to worry about though it's your role player guys. yeah and that, they're gonna those up. are the key exactly. those are the key and, guys. and the lakers don't really i mean you can't really rely can't on really kuzma rely on or danny yeah. green or caruso day to day in certain moments in certain games yes but and listen there's a lot of there's a lot weighted on lebron's back but he's no spring chicken so you have to you have to take into account too I that mean. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take into account he put too, his at elbow some on the point, top of the backboard at, two games ago at some point he's not going to be superhuman anymore and this rest can take a toll as well right i i i, th- I think lebron is still going to be the best player in this how much series. does he put into his body a year they said over a million yeah over a million like his body yeah Really? There's no doubt that he's doing all types of stuff in the bubble to stay prepared. Clearly on the Andy Routon his workout <laughs> regimen. Well, we'll see. Uh, Listen, I'm uh, riding with Denver just because I like really? I like the underdog. So I okay. want to see – I at least want to see a game seven, right? And if they push them to seven, yeah. that's still a success. That's, a, right. that's still I, I, a win. You have to, look, They've overachieved is, thus far. Yeah. This is already an amazing season yeah. now for, for the Nuggets. They remind me of the Toronto Raptors a bit in 2016 when they kind of unexpectedly got to the conference finals. They lost to guess who? LeBron. I'm going to – I. I can't see Denver winning a three straight game sevens. The the it's an the odds of that are astronomical. I'm gonna go Lakers in seven. This was a third third place team in, in the West. Okay, but three straight game seven victories? I, I mean uh, this team finishing third in the West is actually They're a great team. Yeah, that no doubt about that. Who you got? I'm going Lakers in in five. 
I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give. I'm Denver's. going Lakers in seven. Okay, but I, I just want to make sure that Denver gets the seven games. I just need to know uh, how much money Danny G's putting into that. Box. <laughs> <laughs> All my money, whatever I got left. I'm gonna go Denver in six for fun. Ooh. Somebody had to. Say. To be, I gotta be a homer. Yeah, I love. Well, I, love I mean, look, we, we all we all have yeah, to face the music. We all picked the Raptors in Game Seven against Boston, and look, it's it was all in our heart. But it, it was a good pick. It was basically a pick 'em game, and Boston just kind of got them at the end. We're, I, I want to get back to that, but I do want to talk about the Clippers, and we've talked a little bit about about that story. But what a disappointment that is! Um, they this they haven't been to the con- they haven't even been to the conference finals. Mm. I think in franchise history, and that goes back to. Buffalo Braves, Lob City, Rochester. Lob well, maybe City. Rochester Royals made it, but you know all these teams and great players they've had, and there's just this this stink attached to the Clippers, and they can't get there. Um, obviously, with Kawhi being there, the the recruitment for him, the Kawhi sweepstakes um, when last season ended. To me, the the first question it has to center on Kawhi, and I know he wanted to be back home. But man, would he have been better off just staying in Toronto for maybe just one more year? Yeah, I mean, I think they would have repeated. Um, you know, they had the same team, they had the same chemistry this year without Kawhi. You know, they got to, they got to, they had one of the best regular season records, and, and they were just missing one and thing. They were just weren't missing they? one piece, a guy down yep. the stretch to take those shots. Closer, they were yeah. looking, they were looking for a guy down the stretch. But it's tough to say because you know the appeal for Kawhi to go back home to Los Angeles. I don't know if you guys know people from LA, but they love LA. Yeah. <laughs> they anywhere I love in the LA country. and Who I'm from Toronto. Yeah. Who doesn't? I right? get it. You know yep. the weather, you know you, you got your your beautiful people out there who doesn't want to be in LA. So for him his family's out there as well. You know he got a bag of money. Yeah. You can't but really He would have got more money from Toronto. Yeah, he did. But, you know, ultimately to have those comforts and to have that money on top of that, it kind of wipes out that what, you know, extra 50 75 whatever it is million yeah okay <laughs> like just, just an extra 50 <laughs> mil yeah at that point you know it's peanuts right for those guys um but you know i think the allure of playing with such a star-studded team and and you know being la's team i think that that you know a guy like Kawhi should want to take on that challenge as much as as much as he sh- i think he should have stayed i think it's hard for for a guy like Kawhi not to take that challenge and i i did see uh, um a write-up of him saying he didn't think Toronto was good enough to repeat. Really? Where did yeah. you see that? I, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I, see that. I don't remember yeah. hearing him say that. And if we're being completely transparent, being honest, a lot of things aligned for, not to take away from the championship, mm. but uh, a lot of things did line up for Toronto along the way to that championship last year. So I, I think for Kawhi looking forward, that decision, one, to go home, and two, when you're looking at the team that they're putting together compared to um, this Raptors team, it is a tough decision, right? You're getting, you're going home, and you have a Paul George come in, right? There's a, this is a team that should be able to, um, you know, get to the the Western Conference Finals, if not just win the the whole the whole chip. So mm-hmm. it's a tough decision for him, right? That, that'll definitely be a tough decision for anybody oh, yeah. to come back home and play. It's not like his production dipped either. Mm. I mean, he only averaged two less points. Yeah. Um, you know, he he was pretty much the same guy. The guy's a machine. So I think it all comes down to, like you said, who's around him yeah. and, and how much help is he actually getting. So the only thing that I question is, you know, why everybody rushes to the West. Because mm-hmm. when you're thinking about it from, okay, he, fine, you want to go home, get close to the family, love L.A., that's fine. But when you're thinking from purely a basketball standpoint, the West is extremely tough. You have to think about 
the wear and tear the, over the course of a season to now get to a playoffs and then win one. It's a lot tougher. It's a lot. That's well, a longer road a, for sure. A, a difficult path mm-hmm. than those of those teams of the East. So for me, I, I always think like, why, why are we, why are guys running to the West when, you know, a nice little team. It in seems the East, more feasible in the yeah, East. Yeah, it's easy, yeah. cl- clear, it, far clearer. It's an path. easier path to the NBA Finals in the East than and in the West. You used to have to go through LeBron. Right, and now in the West, and now you have in the to West, go, you yeah. Have to I mean, LeBron. Yeah. look at the East. You have the. Is it the 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 three seed and the five mm-hmm. in the finals? So one and two were not that good, oh, yeah. at least com- compared to the West. You know, you mentioned Paul George, and that and that was the guy he wanted there with him. Mm-hmm. And I think he wanted Paul George with him because they're buddies. Mm-hmm. I don't think Paul George is is at that level now. Is he better individually than than who Toronto may have had? Okay. But I think Kawhi had a lot more help with the Toronto Raptors. You saw it in 2019. You have Kyle Lowry over here hitting threes. You have Siakam when you're double teamed. Fred Van Vliet wasn't afraid to take a big shot. Why is Paul Paul George has been a disappointment in the playoffs year Mm -hmm. after year after year. He had that one run with the Pacers um, when when LeBron was with Miami, got to the conference finals. And there were a couple of good years there, but... That Indiana team blew up, and Paul George was part of it, and he hasn't done anything in the playoffs since. A first-round loser last year with OKC. We started hearing the excuses in in the bubble, which I actually do empathize with, but Paul George is a massive disappointment in this playoff, and I don't understand. And as a boyfriend. He's a horrible boyfriend, I hear, too. (laughs) We've heard that, too. So what 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 gives? Like why why would he have you know what's with Paul George? Why do we think he is such a great NBA player when year after year he doesn't produce? Because he showed to, he showed promise and he has a lot of talent. He has a lot of tools, but then you factor you can't really measure heart and how much heart transfers over to the court. Mm. Um, and I don't think and it's no knock at him. Not not every player, not every guy is going to have that. Some you just have to find the right role for um you know your individual talent individual players i I just think the expectations that are put on him now are are, are, have exceeded what he's capable Mm -hmm. of do you guys think that his his past injuries have been hampering him like take for example okay a guy like markel fultz who had who had a shoulder issue and he was shooting a terrible percentage and Mm -hmm. he was just getting killed from everybody even pg had shoulder surgery when last year was Did he not? Last year, was I it know, two I years ago now. I know yeah, he's, big, he's had some. He's had was a big foot injury his, his, his at Team USA. Yeah, his leg he, was, which was he ho- certainly horrific. recovered from that though. Yeah, but then he, he recently had. I think he was in Oklahoma City where he had his his his, his second major surgery, and and you got to think about you got to think that that factors in in your psyche, you know, and how well you recover. You know, if you're shooting the ball at a great clip before, and then you have something that throws you off, or you have to readjust your shot. You know, I'm not making excuses for him. I still think he's one of the more elite players in the league. Really? I just don't think he's who he used to be, given the well, fact I, that he did I'll have say, such significant I'll say injuries. I think those the injuries that we're speaking on here, we're touching on, would affect you more offensively. Now, how he can impact the game, I think he still has the ability to. Uh, it's just a will or a want and he he may not have that. He doesn't have that the same desire as some of the other elite players to just, you know, get the job done or accomplish or so I, I think in his case there's there's a lot of variables and he's just been put in a position that is is a lot more than he's he can take on. 
Yeah, he had a he had a he had a labrum tear in his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I think the difference between the two teams though is you talk about a culture a lot with the Toronto Raptors and, and what Nick Nurse has tried to instill here, and and you have interchangeable pieces that understand the group goal and the dynamic is to win, and you know you don't you don't look at guys like OG or Fred Van Fleet, you know, popping off tweets, uh, you know, letting their egos take control of them. But you see that in L.A. Because in L.A. you have to be somebody. In Toronto, I feel like it's geared towards winning. Everybody's got ultimately one goal. And I feel like in L.A. it's kind of like, you know, what has this superstar done lately? You know, what I don't know if there's a team chemistry there that is that is just geared towards one thing. Yeah. And that became more evident than ever in a series but against But isn't that where Denver. Doc Rivers is supposed to come Supposed in? to, yeah. I, mean, I think that's why he's getting trashed the way he is, though. I mean, maybe that's not on him either. Because from what I understand, that locker room is pretty is pretty separated, you know, and and, yeah. and he's had his he's had his issues with teams in the past as well. But you you know you you look at him coaching in Boston, you know, you have some of the biggest egos in the game there with KG, Rondo, Paul Pierce. You figure that would translate, but I think it's a different era with social media. But I, you you have to you really have to factor that in. You know what? And I think Doc Rivers can't be left. You know, he can't be left out of the out of the problem, out of this. No, what you can't transpire yeah. in what's been transpiring in L.A. Um, but you, you brought up Boston and Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers, in my opinion, had success in Boston because you also had Kevin Garnett, who was one of the most intense players as well as a mm-hmm. vocal leader on mm-hmm. the court. Mm-hmm. To me, Doc Rivers is a great recruiter. And he's a great motivator. Mm-hmm. I think he he will have more success with teams with less talent because he'll be able to get guys, guys to mold. play up, yeah. Up yeah. most out of them. Yeah. But as now opposed to when, established stars in the league, who he has to kind of try to rein in. Right. Yeah. So then you get coaches like the, the pops and and the Phil Jackson mm-hmm. Phil Jacksons that coach less but manage egos and manage mm-hmm. characters mm-hmm. more than. Men. That, do you think Steve Nash is going to be a guy like that? In Brooklyn, yeah, so I think I think, I think that's a glue, a glue coach. I think that's exactly who's what more he's there, do. not for the X's and yes. O's, but more about keeping a team together, the, the chemistry and the, and the team yeah, psychology. He, he came out and said that, now, didn't he? Doc did have them up three one. He did. I mean, it, he it, did. It's, and and Doc has lost three three one leads, um, in in his coaching career, but. At some point, the player you got to put coach on the players here. You can't it's, coach hard. It's not Rivers' fault that Kawhi and Paul George were like zero for twenty in the second half. I mean, you you can say that, but it's also your coach's responsibility to make sure those guys are getting in positions to to be successful. So he does have to take. And I I love Doc, but he I has to take. I'm a huge them. fan they, of Doc. They take shots. They have to make wrong. shots. It was yes. Working for them up till three one. But then that's where you have to you have to make adjustments. Because now you're in the playoffs. Teams are now scouting more. Def- defenses are geared more to, yeah. to certain guys. And they're, you know, teams expose things. So as a coach, you now need to adjust and make things happen for your, for your players, for but, the betterment of your yeah, team. I mean, so, yeah, and, I, and um, it's not to take anything away from him. I think he, do, he just he needs to take some accountability for this, too, well, which he has. I, I, I have uh, a question for you guys about coaches that I want to get to in, in a bit. One more thing about the Clippers and then a uh, quick break for our, for our sponsor. Uh Next year, Kawhi Leonard and I believe Paul George, they're going to be unrestricted free agents. Are they? The, Cl- yeah. the Clippers <laughs> traded the farm seven, thinking they, go they were going to get to the NBA Finals this year and next. Yeah. They have they sent Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and a pretty much every draft pick this decade to get – to get Paul George so that Kawhi would sign, and now there's no guarantee after 
the uh, the 2021 season that either of these guys are going to come back. And they're already suggesting trading Paul George, which if you do that, that probably triggers Kawhi to leave next year. And maybe Kawhi goes over to the Lake Show. Or, um, oh, wow. or Toronto. What does the future look like now for the Clippers? If, if you're the general manager, you're Doc Rivers, the coach, you know, and I think they should have done their home. You, you raised Paul George's injury. We all knew that. That you're not uncovering breaking news there. Mm-hmm. They knew they were bringing in a guy who's who's had some serious injuries in his life. If you're the brass now of the L.A. Clippers and there's no guarantee you're ever going to get to the finals, what do you do? I don't know if you blow it up just yet. I think they're they're too elite of a group to do that. I think you keep, I think you keep Kawhi and PG, but you just you just you. You manage it differently. Your expectations of them, you know, uh, you, know you try to you try to induce some chemistry there somehow. Sorry, I, Andy, I, you yes. spoke of separation. Who are boys on that team? Who are the who are the? I, I can't I can't speak on that personally. Oh, okay. Like I don't I'm not. But close you with heard any of okay. them. But I've I thought you had in, some in inside basketball knowledge. spheres. It's probably yeah. Kawhi and PG and not much else. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard Montrez uh, Harrell has got you know uh, a lot to say. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Pat Bev who likes to jaw as well. You know, I can see there being, uh, uh, you know, disconnect. disconnect in that locker room. Now, if I was Steve Ballmer, I'm gonna, I'm going to try to get rid of, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to try to bring in guys like the Fred Van Fleets, like the OGs, guys who can complement a star-studded roster and, and efficiently as well. And, and I think that's going to be the key. You don't get rid of the guys who you, who you gave up. Like you said, you gave up the, the whole entire But the thing is, for. they could leave in a year. They could. So you have no real future beyond this coming season. Uh, that's yeah. why you have to maybe look at getting some of those draft picks. They back. could, but they're both, but they're both L.A. Tough. guys. They're both, they're both California guys. Yeah. You know, if, they, if they leave now, they're doing themselves a disservice, and they're also doing L.A. a disservice. And I don't think they want that burden. I, I think you know, a, a very key piece to this puzzle that's missing is, is a point guard that that's a leader, a floor general, yeah. an extension of, you know, what Doc Rivers wants, and somebody that's vocal enough to get to say to Kawhi, "You need to get into this place." To say, "Paul George, yeah. you're playing like shit." Yeah. Um, and then you see, like the teams left in the in the playoffs right now have some have some really good port guards, mm-hmm. Drogic, um, um, Murray, mm-hmm. and even for the Lakers, like they've improved since Rondo's returned, right? Oh, yeah. So you need. A floor general, general. And, yeah. and I think you also need to fill your voids where you where you have weaknesses. And clearly, there's some disconnect with the Clippers. Clearly, Doc may not be the you know the most you know aggressive or or energetic, motivational. No, no, he is motivational, but um, that imposing character. You have to find a, a way to fill that void now, and that that to me comes from your point guard, which is probably your most important position on the court. Agree. Okay, good. Uh, word for uh, the Henderson Brewery. Uh, the best beer is the beer you love. They are sponsoring our show. We're grateful for it. Uh, check out the Henderson Brewery on Sterling Road in Toronto. Also, I'd like to sh- uh, do shout-outs to podcasts. And, and this week, i got to mention the Footy Prime podcast. Uh, our producer, Dan Wong, also produces that. James Sharman, Danny Dicchio, Craig Forrest. Um, by a landslide, the most interesting soccer and football podcast I've heard. Plus, you have the Canadian Premier League Championship game this weekend. Okay. So I know they're going to have a lot to say for that. So check out their next podcast, Footy Prime. It's on Spotify, Apple. Give it a look. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, and I, I mentioned a little earlier, are coaches. And I think one thing that we're seeing, and, and maybe ha- there is going to have to be some credence to this, and I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it, so we're going to be the first ones. Mike Malone, Nick Nurse, Brad Stevens. Are we now, are we seeing a new class of the best coaches in the league? Am I wrong to say that? Am, I mean, I know I'm leaving out Popovich's name. Um, I believe Spolstra is in that group as well. And voila, he's got his team in the, in the last four competing for the finals. Are we able to start looking at these coaches and look at how they do it and maybe see some commonalities between the, these these names I've mentioned and start saying th- this new generation of young basketball coach is is the vanguard for how the sport needs to be coached at this level and maybe in this generation. I think one of the commonalities there is those coaches have all been players. And whether it be, I know Nick Nurse probably didn't play at the, the highest level, but they have an understanding from, from both aspects, right? They have experience from the coaching ground up, and they have um, on court, which they're able to find a balance between, you know, what the players needs and, and, and how you want to relay and deliver from a coaching coaching aspect. So I think, yeah, this is going to be the new wave, Um you know the, the the days of you know sitting down X and O's and just brashly yelling at players and so forth, getting the most out of them. And and you know, on top of it, it's a players' league. Players run the league. Are is done. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be. I, yeah, I think it, you're 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 on par with that. Saying that this is the new wave, and the new wave being, like Shep was saying, I think you have to cater to the athlete more so in. Uh, 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 an emotional way, but is that what Nurse and Stevens yeah, do? Is, I think, it, is I, it about? Catering? I think they. I think they've found a way to connect with their players more so than the old school archaic way of okay, I'm the, I'm running the show here. Yeah. I mean that's that's Europe in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> Europe in a nutshell is, is is the head coach runs the show. You know he's 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 the guy. Everything he says goes. You don't talk back. We have no, you know we have no uh, uh, rapport off the floor. And I think that these coaches make them make themselves available for their players because they know that off the court is an extension of on the court. And, you know, these are down home blue collar guys who just like to work and who have, you know, in my time with in preseason with the Toronto Raptors, you know, Nick Nurse wasn't the head coach at the time, but you wouldn't know that, you know, his rapport with all the players, you know, his involvement with every drill, you know, every film session, you know, he was right there and he was, and he was talking to guys, how they feel, you know, and you, and I can also speak on the fact when I, my time in Oklahoma city, um, you know, they're catering to your needs off the floor. You know, how are you feeling today? You know, what's your recovery looking like? So yeah. the more the head coach gets involved with, with how players are actually feeling, you know, psychologically, and, you, and you're looking at more players coming out now, like Kevin Love talking about depression mm-hmm. and anxiety. And these are all real. I- Damar, exactly. Yeah. These are all real issues within the league. So it's not just if you can have X and O's. It's how well you can connect with your players and get your message across and then for, to buy in to, mm-hmm. to, to what oh, you're yeah. – Kevin Love had a fabulous uh, follow-up on Players Tribune. Players Tribune, yeah. I yeah. think it was on Wednesday this yep. week where he 
you know, he he's already acknowledged mental health issues and the panic attack. And in this this uh, article, he talked about what's going on right now in the COVID pandemic and really a message for people out there. I think the the final thing he had to say was talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I I definitely agree with with what you're saying there. I think Steve Kerr kind of oh yeah he set the set the like tone the, for that when he took the over the, that, the Golden yeah. State Warriors, yeah. which was I have all the talent in the world yeah. out there. I'm just yeah. managing guys. I'm working the refs, yeah. but really I'm letting them. Um, I, I remember watching a specific interaction you had with Steph. Oh yeah, I know exactly. You remember where you're that? Headed. Yep. And you know they're sitting in a timeout. Steph doesn't have it going, and Steve says. Are you kidding me? You're the best shooter in the world. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of averages. You know, you're, you're going to make some, you're going to miss some. Go out there and shoot the ball. Yeah. Be confident, and 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 that's, and that those are the type of things that that give player the co- players the confidence to go out there and play their best basketball, mm-hmm. as opposed to a coach who's going to say, "What the fuck are you doing?" You know, uh, you know, getting on you for every mistake. Yeah. You know, especially because players are more fragile these days than they used way to be. Way more fragile. Way more fragile. Yep. And, way and uh, more fragile. I sat down with Steve Kerr in my pre-draft with Phoenix. And we just shot the shit. Yeah, the coolest guy, one of the coolest guys I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be, like I said, to be able to connect with your with your coach on a human level, on a personal level, I think that's 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 exemplary. I mean, look at this guy. He sat down with Coach <laughs> Kerr. Yeah. He shot threes with a eleven year old Steph. You know, <laughs> I mean, what a basketball what a circle, basketball, basketball odyssey circle, you have circle. lived, man! Yeah. Incredible. I, lo- I love that. Love the love those kinds of stories. So the king is dead. Long live the king. The Raptors are no longer the NBA champions. It was even to think about it for that one year that they were. It still gives me goosebumps. It still gives me shivers. One thing you were talking about, even in the bubble, Shep, was you were seeing some things in Pascal Siakam that were te- that made it pretty crystal clear to you that he wasn't good enough as a number one guy. Mm-hmm to carry you to the championship. And I, I think that's been uh, borne out. And it is pretty crystal clear. I mean, I think Pascal Siakam is a wonderful basketball mm-hmm. player, but that doesn't mean he can put a team on his back like Larry Bird, like Paul Pierce, uh, or Jason Tatum. <laughs> I don't know why I was going there with the Celtics. I guess, <laughs> I, guess it, I guess it's all there. My question, and Shep, I want to start with you. Why... Why did he take so much abuse from the Toronto fans who I argued two years ago did not even know his name? Mm-hmm. He was as vital to the championship run as anybody, and now he's kind of being cast aside. It's, it's pure ignorance. Um, again, I think our fan base in, in Canada is, is very um, young and, and growing. Their knowledge is growing of the game. Yeah, very extremely naive. And, and, you know, to Pascal's credit and his work ethic, he accomplished a lot in a very short time. Um, you know, he went from a G League champion, a, a most improved player, NBA champion, mm-hmm. as well as a, a All all-star, starter, all-star starter and yep. now NBA second team mm-hmm. in the span of four years. So the expectations that went with that are now, okay, you are ready, you're arrived. But our fan base here in Canada didn't really take into account that this was a guy that is was a third, fourth option. And he was accomplishing all that as a third and fourth option. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he had to step into a role where you're expected to be um, the number one. And I don't think he was expected to be the number one option from within the team. Mm-hmm. I think from it was just expectation. Position, yeah. yeah, the expectation was just there from naive fans assuming, okay, he signed this big contract, which doesn't start until next year, and just expected him to 
step into that role, which mm-hmm. no, that contract meant it's a, it's a promise from the team that we want to develop you into mm-hmm. that number one, into that right. potential. Absolutely. Right. It's not, it's not for right now. Well, so we, you can't measure what the, the contract is and his performance. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, to his credit, he accomplished a lot in a short time, uh, just a naive, naive fan base and not understanding. And then to his credit as well, uh, yes, he has to put in, put in the work, but this is a guy that started playing basketball in 2011. Right. Yeah. Right, and a lot of people don't don't take that into account either. Mm-hmm. He's already put in a ton of work to, yeah. to become but the player that he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, like you said, he's all NBA second team. Mm-hmm. He's had career highs in almost every category, with the exception of field goal percentage, which is going to go down if you get more shots. If you if you become the guy, you know, you're going to have to take more shots, so your percentages do go down. But at the end of the day, to have this kind of hate, where it gets personal, where it gets character driven, where it gets racial. Is, is completely ignorant and unacceptable, especially from Toronto, who is supposed to be one of the most accepting, welcoming cities mm-hmm. in the world, you know, of, of, of creatures and characters from all cultures and races. Like it's, and, and Pascal is a really humble guy. He's a great guy. And for him to, to receive that kind of hate, like you said, I think is really unwarranted given the fact of, you know, he's so young in his, he's so young in his career. And, uh, you know, that he's not ready for that pressure. He, mm-hmm. he wasn't ready to be the number one guy. And, and it was unfair of them to expect another championship after Kawhi's departure and for him to fill those shoes. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I'm a big fan of Pascal. I, I hope that he, you know, he continues to keep his head up, which which he's uh, he's more than earned. And you know, I think he'll be fine next year. I think he's going to bounce back and he's going to have another career year. I don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll ever be a number one guy. I'll yeah. say that. But I do have a soft spot for guys that show improvement, guys that show a solid work ethic and development. He showed. He showed that. Yeah, so absolutely. of course I'm going to ride with him. But no, I don't. I don't expect Pascal ever to become this, the number one. Yeah, I, I. I don't think he is a super elite player. And I had this conversation. I remember talking about it um, on the Hangout on NBA TV Canada about Demar Derozan, and. He was the number one on the Raptors, and he was a, a wonderful player. Scored points, could hit a big shot now and then. Mm-hmm. Did was getting better as a playmaker. Did this, did that. But there's a, a level that it's so hard to attain. There's only so many guys who can get there. And if, if you look at this playoff season, there's only really two guys, and I'd say Jamal Murray and Jason Tatum, who we weren't sure are at that super elite level, and I think they have shown us that they can get there. Those guys were both high draft picks. One went to Duke, one went to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. They have been on that path to this super elite level the whole time. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that Siakam can get there. I don't know if it's <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny? Siakam has never, unlike some of these guys that were the star on their high school teams, stars mm-hmm. on their um, respective AU programs, AU programs yeah. collegiate teams, yeah. or stints in the NBA, uh-huh. Pascal's never been the number one guy. Right. So even if he took on that role right now, there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road right. for him to figure it out. And, and he hasn't even had half those experiences. At all. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And then there's also the guys that are less talented, yeah. but innately, mm-hmm. They are, you know, alpha males, and they when the bright lights come on, mm-hmm. they perform. So you know, what's interesting though. It's it's kind of like him and Joel Embiid have the same experience almost, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're both guys who picked up basketball really late, really late, and and now they have, you know, they came out, they played really well, but you know, they have these massive expectations on their shoulders, and they're, it's hard to live up to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though you want to be that guy, sometimes it's just going to take time. Yeah, I mean, uh, all, all NBA second team, a huge accomplishment Massive, for, yeah. for Pascal Siakam. Also, uh, kudos to Nick Nurse. He's the coach of the year and got re-signed to a multi-year multi-year deal by the Raptors. Yeah. Smart move by Masai Ujiri, Bobby Webster. What other moves 
do they have to make, dare I say, to get back to the championship next season or even to toe the line and stay at the status quo and be a team that can win one round in the playoffs? You know, the East is not getting any easier. You already have Boston and Miami who are much better this year and Boston beat Toronto and the Brooklyn Nets next year are going to have Kevin Durant. So the East is getting more competitive now. Um, you have free agents with with uh, on this Toronto roster, and you have to make decisions. Mm-hmm. What are you doing if you're Masai Ujiri right now? I think you have to make a push for Giannis, and I've heard whispers of Oladipo as well. Really? Yeah. So I, you know, with those two names floating around, and if it's if it's possible, I think you have to get that done. Um, Where are these whispers? Where? <laughs> I got I got people in places. Some guy. I got people in places. <laughs> Somebody's uncle that just a, just a fan. One of, one of those naive fans. One of those naive. Fans. If you're looking at an Antetokounmpo or an Oladipo, they're still under contract, at least for a year. You have Van Vliet, Gasol, Ibaka, all unrestricted free agents. I don't even know that you really have many pieces to move to acquire those people in a trade. Mm Um, but like, what do you do about your own free agents? Fred Van Vliet I don't is going to demand a, a lot. We're, gonna, of free we're not going to be able to afford Freddie. He's going to end up somewhere so that. I mean, Fred Van Vliet walk and Lowry for a year. Masai came out and said that he's a big time priority. Priority to get back. Well, yeah. I, 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 would, I would agree. with Absolutely. That. Yeah. And and you know what? I think you know Gasol. You're going to get him off the books. I heard it whispers. Yeah. From very credible Andy Routon. We've also heard whispers <laughs> yeah. that we don't know where they come from. I don't from. even need a whisper. You don't to say. need to whisper. Gasol whispers, yeah. is he gone. Might, he he purpose, might head out to you. Europe. He might. He might finish career, totally his career sense. in Europe. Yeah, he's just you know. And go, the game go to has Barcelona. Shifted, right? His time is done. He, he yeah, can't, he can't no, keep up. It was point. very evident. He wants to go home, be with his family. Yeah, you know, he they weren't. And he's had he's had a phenomenal phenomenal career. Absolutely. And he ended it on the right note here in Toronto. It's going to be tough to, to retain Serge at that price point, especially because he had a great year. Yeah. And then also Fred, who also had a career year, too, in, uh, in the points and assists as well. So he's a, he's a huge commodity for a lot of teams right now. He's big on the market in New York and but Phoenix. But is Fred but good enough? Can they, can they afford everybody? Is That's Fr- going to be the question. Would you invest in Fred or give him the keys to this team going forward? I don't... I mean, how much can you pay? He, I don't know because he's going to warrant a big, a big contract. Absolutely, so, but I don't someone's know. Chicago Bulls or somebody's going to say, "Here's five years, 140 yeah, million." Yeah, he has to go I take mean, it. He has to go get it. He has to go get do, it. He does. But I think what he's does at the Toronto point. have to? Can Toronto pay that money I, I, for a I think five ten starting point guard? The the advantage that they have is 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 comfortability, and and Toronto's a place that guys want to be. And and the culture that they that they have established here, you know, Fred got his chance here in Toronto. They, he started mm-hmm. in the G League. He came up here. He's in the ranks. I think they would ask a guy like Serge, maybe even Freddie, to not take a max deal. You know, to cut it down a little bit with the intention but of winning. That doesn't another seem like that Fred Van Vliet. Then, he already then, did take the hometown discount for the last two years. But yeah. then, question for you I guys: He's got to cash in. He's got to cash in. I agree with that. But then, what type of commitment? Who is he getting this commitment from long term? Because Masai hasn't really said much on what he's doing either, right? Yeah, he's right. been he's been the, he's been the catalyst of this whole that. thing. So, um, you know, Freddie can you can take the money here and not know where the the guy you've trusted in ha- is headed off to, mm-hmm. or where his where his stance is, or you can start to build something elsewhere and take the and yeah. take the paper. I mean, I understand both sides of it. You know, to secure your future, to keep, secure your family's future, to have that, you know, generational wealth, like I understand it. Yeah. And I would absolutely I'm an advocate of making that money, but I'm also an advocate of winning. And 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 I think he's been a huge part of that culture here in Toronto. And and I think that, you know, 
he's he's found a home here. He's found a home within the fans as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, Ch- chances are this is the one massive contract yeah. of his yeah. career. Yeah. I think he's going to have and, and I know Fred Van Vliet. He is as smart as they come. Mm-hmm. Um and he is a businessman and this was all part of his plan when he took the two-year deal two years ago. He knew he would be in this position. He, quote, bet on bet himself. On yourself, yep. And here he is. Yep. It, Danny, is he a loyalty line. guy, though? You know how there's that's, certain that's players. The question. And uh, this goes back to my, my professional. Cost, yeah. And is there ever any it's loyalty a, in the NBA? Yeah. Look, it's a, great, it's a great question. Honestly, Hold on. I'm gonna I don't throw know a that loyalty is a big thing around that team. I'm gonna throw. I don't know. Wow, Danny G. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a wrench in there. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw a wrench in there. So you guys are talking about loyalty. Demar thought they were pretty loyal. Demar also. And then, yep. Kawhi Bam. wasn't on the table, and it's then look what happened. So I say? it's a business. Dwayne Casey, Demar Derozan. Yeah. Dot dot dot. Who do you pay, Serge or, or Freddie? I mean, I I, I would want to keep Freddie. Like I, I, I agree. Think the Baca you can replace with a younger. I mean, he, you mentioned Montrell yeah. Harold before. I think he's a free Montrose, agent yeah. too. I mean, yeah. he, you could bring him. You out saw here. OG in that when they played the small five against yeah. Boston. OG yeah. can step into some places. Yeah, now. and yeah, I, I I can't disagree with that. And he's he's up and coming player too. But the thing about Van Vliet is, no matter where he goes, he's going to get a great situation, and he's going to get the keys. The Chicago Bulls and the Milwaukee Bucks should go after him like crazy, and that's going to push the price up. And you have to look at the Raptors, who are owned by MLSE, in a situation where they haven't made any money in this bubble scenario. And to to give out a contract, you know, that might be a little overvalued, if 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 it's twenty million less than what Chicago or Milwaukee are offering. I don't 20 know, man. Million off, it's going to be a off, tough decision. But 20 million off, what, 180, 175 to win, to be comfortable? When it's your one chance to get that. I, I don't know if it's going to stretch that high. I, I'm picturing. And you have to think. Your other big Van piece. 25, 30 million a year. Your other big piece is is Pascal, who is developing. Yes. Yeah, so as so far need, as you need, c- you need. You need if, yeah, established guys. Yeah, you, if you're talking about winning and committed to yeah. winning and yeah. he needs to win and you're about winning, then. On one end, I can take this money here, but my my running mate is is still yeah. a project. But if you we go are, to New York or Chicago or Phoenix, you're not going to win right away anyway. No chance. No, <sighs> oh no, that that and that is that's a great point. You but know? what about Milwaukee? Milwaukee, you you might go. Into they the said they were going to break the bank for Giannis to keep him happy there. They said right, that. and they're going. Yeah, they're going to go out and get players. And if you're Giannis, you're looking at Fred Van Vliet. And yeah. You're saying that guy, he yeah. he beat us. Um, l- let's move on because we're running out of time. We haven't even talked about Boston, Miami. Uh, the Heat, uh, I mean, it's a surprise how easy things are going for them at this point. I don't think we're surprised that they're necessarily in the conference finals, but 10-1 and one in the playoffs, that is surprising. Um, they're up 2-0 on Boston. Boston's melting down. Guys are yelling at each other in the in the locker room. Why, why don't I, I throw it out uh, this way? Who is the better player in this series? Is it Jimmy Butler or is it Jason Tatum? Shep. Can I say Drogic? <laughs> no, but he no. In, in, he's the leading scorer. He's the leading scorer. He's I your mean, point guard. Um, but if Butler's to, the difference for Miami, no? Is he really? No. I'm is a, he really? Without, I, I'm a big fan of floor generals. So, but where was Miami? That, where was Miami last year without Butler? Yeah. I mean, fair. Like, fair. I, I think Butler is the, the okay. So difference he's maker there. Yeah. So he's there. 
I would say he's their most important player, and Goran is their most valuable. If that makes wow, okay. yeah, well, I yeah. wasn't expect I was not expecting that as an answer. Do Jimmy, you agree with him? Jimmy is is by far and away the most valuable player to his team, not only as a player but also as like you said, what he is as a floor general. Mm-hmm. He exemplifies heat culture, and mm-hmm. I think that's why he's yes. he's doing so well there. And yep. you, got, you look at a guy like Jay Crowder too, who just came in, and and they're both dogs. They mm-hmm. both get after it. They both want to win. They do whatever it takes to win. Um, and everybody's buying in right now, and I think that's a huge part of, of uh, that's all to, to Jimmy's Jimmy's credit. And you want the ball in his hands down the stretch, and you can trust him. Yeah. He's the, making plays the, at every and, game. and on the defensive end too, and yeah. free, oh, free yeah. th- clutch free throws. He doesn't take a playoff. We we've talked about the culture, <laughs> the culture of the Miami Heat has always been there, but yeah. since not since Dwayne Wade left because he he was there Dwayne, last year, but he yes. was older, but. Yeah. Since the LeBron and the Dwayne Wade, the, the culture has been there, but they have the talent. He said, and now suddenly they yeah. do. Dwayne said he didn't appreciate the Miami culture until he left and played for another team. Oh. And Jimmy, Jimmy experienced that everywhere he went. Yeah, and now he's found his he's his right spot in and his, he's flourishing. Right mm-hmm. Yeah, and I it's, think that he, that that chemistry that they have there, Jimmy's going to take him over the top. It's funny how so much of this can be situational because yeah. just you know a couple of years ago, Jimmy was a cancer here, he's a cancer there. Right. Um, and you're seeing a lot of guys flourish in different situations. But I think his situation, um, like you said, exemplifies the whole Miami Heat and, and Pat Riley culture to yeah. a T because you're not only seeing him flourish, but the, the team, mm-hmm. the, the team on a whole, right? So uh, it's it's always good to see. And, and you guys haven't mentioned And he's a coffee connoisseur, Big mm-hmm. Face Coffee. <laughs> Jimmy Butler's Coffee Shop in the bubble. Oh, okay, that's yeah. right, that's right. He's a multifaceted guy. He's the guy you want on your team. Bam Adebayo. Um, Wong, you mentioned OG Ananobi, and I, I think Bam Adebayo yeah. is now the prototype for this, uh, I don't know, I don't want stretch four or what, whatever you might want to call it, just a multi-dimensional player um, at the four spot. Magic Johnson tweeted, the block on Tatum was the best defensive play he's ever seen in the playoffs. C- can you give some historical... Uh, background to that sh- block shot it was incredible and perfectly timed that was that was an emotional statement by magic but i, I, I <laughs> look, look man look i texted my i texted my dad as soon as it happened and i said that block was fucking crazy <laughs> i said that was for the game might not have been a better block in recent memory and that play you know for 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 the weight that it held it was for the game um you know the strength that you have to have to do that he caught that you know on the back end of his wrist you know, he had the core strength it took to, to save that play was unreal. And and uh, I think he's he's a guy that you want on your team just like Jimmy, just like the Jay Crowders. And uh, I think he exemplified what, what that's all about. And I, I don't think I've seen a better block with uh, with more on the line in a long time. Hard, hard to argue with it. And it yeah. reminds I mean, can anybody think of one? Well, there was the, the Bismack Biombo block on LeBron in the 2016 East Finals. Oh. It was called a foul. They brought it back. Okay. It was called a foul. And it wasn't... At the you know in the final, Bismack seconds. had a really nice run. He had that, that he had stretch an there, amazing year yeah. with the Raptors. But there was year. also the LeBron he got paid on that, didn't he? LeBron, LeBron had on shot. Yes, and t- I remember Tayshaun oh, Prince. Oh, by James. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tayshaun right. Prince. Tayshaun Prince. Yes. But it, it showed you know block shots are so uh, rare nowadays that yeah. when one happens so emphatically like that, right. and at such a moment, I mean that was basically two points for Miami at that oh, point yeah. when he did that. We're at an hour. We uh, that was quick, boys. 
Basketball talk goes fast. Great day, and I just want to shout out uh, on our Twitter, uh, Basketball Canada started following us. So nice. And um, hopefully everybody listening will will add us as well. Twitter, we're getting on uh, Instagram now, at Jim Rats Podcast on Twitter. So give us a follow. We've been uh, a lot more active on it. We'd love to hear from you there. Uh, For our producer, Dan Wong. Uh, for our friends here at Eggplant Sound and Picture Studio, Andy Routens, Javon Shepard, I'm Dan Gladman. Thank you so much for listening to Jim Rats and Joints. We'll see you next week. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 